Welcome to another episode of the Bird's Nest Podcast. I'm Joe Donahue. Thank you so much for tuning in today. The Eagles have just wrapped up the OTAs, the annual OTAs, the organized training activities, and we are now in what I affectionately refer to as the deep offseason, uh, this sort of summer break before things really start to ramp up as we prep for uh, the opening of the 2023 NFL season. Um, and we wanted to take a moment just as we were getting ready to turn the page on these OTAs and on this offseason and move into this sort of lull of the summer, we wanted to take a moment to look back at what exactly it was that just happened. And we are joined by somebody who is really, really well equipped to do this. And that is Philadelphia Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Joe, thank you for having me. And I think your description of the lull, the true lull, the deep lull is accurate. Once, um, you know, practice ended today and the players had their lunch and so forth, they are out of here. Coach is gone. Um, it is time for seven weeks of of true get away from the facility time. And, you know, they'll obviously still train. And But for the most part, it's your last chance to really get a gasp of air before training camp begins in late July. And the Eagles come out of this spring healthy. And I know you'll ask me a lot of questions about a lot of players, but I will emphasize this more than anything. It is the most important <clears throat> part of it is that they're healthy coming out of the spring. I'm, they're healthier than I am right now. Hang on. They, no injuries. Um, you know, integrating players into the system, into the schemes. And uh, the best news of all is that the Eagles will go to training camp barring any freaky thing that happens, a healthy football team. And, and, you know, after a long, long 2022 season, there's always the concern of coming back and, and falling right into the injury trap. Absolutely. And even a longer regular season than normal, given just how deep the Eagles went into the playoffs last year. That is that is really great to hear that the Eagles are going to have our players are going to have some time to take a step back and be able to rest and enjoy these next few weeks before the intensity of the season starts. Now let's, let's be very clear here, Joe, they're not, if anybody who's resting for the next seven weeks um, will come into training camp out of shape, I, I think more than, you know, I mean, certainly there's a, the mental rest, but like the young guys are going to have their heads in the playbooks. And from a conditioning standpoint, it's really a great time to sharpen everything and come to camp in tip top shape. You can't arrive in training camp and expect to get in camp. You really yeah. have to be in great in great shape. And I think that's what these next seven weeks are going to be for. Gotcha. Yeah, and that'll be important there. Thank you for thank you for clarifying that because no. it's, it's sometimes it's very tempting for a fan or somebody to think, oh, oh, the there's nothing that happens between the between like official programs and that. That's that's important. So thank you for clarifying that. Did want to talk just a little bit briefly about, or certainly spending a ton of time dissecting um, what happened over the course of these last few weeks. Uh, but I first wanted to ask you: You've been working for the Eagles now since 1997, and just out of curiosity, how much of your wardrobe is Eagles attire at this point? Uh, I mean, it, you know, I get rid of a lot of it. I donate a lot of it. I, uh, it's lim <laughs> it's kind of limitless. Um, a lot of workout gear. <clears throat> I don't really wear it when I'm not here or working out. But um, 
I guess it's fair to say, Joe, that it's extensive. And um, I there's sometimes I wish I'd kind of kept stuff from the. I mean, I started Eagle Digest in '89, so I wish I'd kept all the Zubas and kept them in mint condition to see what kind of value they would have right now. But yeah, there's a lot of it, and um, it's cool to walk around in Eagle shirts and Eagle shorts and say you're you're working hard and like that's it's been a dream come true for me, and I've really enjoyed and relished every moment of it um right down to the eagles t-shirt i'm wearing right now (laughs) (laughs) that's great that's great so uh dave for the fan who may not know what otas are what are they just briefly what are what are otas so so organized team activities are part of the off-season program and the off-season program goes in phases this is phase three i believe um the off-season program is a nine-week program. It is a voluntary program, um, especially important this year with a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Uh, there's conditioning work, there's classroom work, and then finally there's on-field work. And for the last, I guess, two weeks, the Eagles have been in OTAs. They had six organized team activity practices uh, over the course of, I guess it's been two or three weeks. And during those practices, the first time they've worn helmets, uh, they do not have contact. They're not wearing pads. They're just wearing shells, wearing shorts, and running seven-on-seven seven drills, working a lot on individual drills, position drills, fundamentals, um, no, no contact. So there's a sense of like, okay, how are you going to teach tackling? Well, you teach tackling by using dummies and tackling on pads. And how do you block? You block with pads. And so you simulate all these things. And you know the object is obviously to keep everybody healthy is to teach everybody the proper form. There's, it's a high, high um, stress on the fundamentals of the game. And so, you know, it, but it is a nine, the, the OTAs are part of the off-season program, and that nine-week program is called the off-season program. So the Eagles have, the Super Bowl ended February 12th. Uh, they, they pushed back a little bit here into, I think, late April, uh, right before the draft. That week is when the players reported to the Novacare complex, in and out. You know, the veterans, they've been here, they know how to do it. Very important for the young guys. Um, and during that time, there were a lot of classroom work, a lot of conditioning work, and finally, some on-field work. And the, the practice is, oh, about an hour, let's say, a little around an hour each day um, for those six OTA practices. Um, and so you just get a sense of how players learn in the classroom and how they take what they've learned in the classroom and translate that onto the football field. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, definitely sounds like a lot of a uh, lot of important work going on there. Um, it's pretty, it's, pretty, like- it's pretty intense. You know, Joe, it's, it, I think the point is for young players, it's a sense of here's how the tempo is. You get the meetings on time. There's very little downtime. The, the day goes, but, 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 you know, you're allowed to be in the building for four hours at the beginning, I think six hours. At the end of the at the end of the offseason program, um, and it, it's it's a, it's kind of a, just a an intro to what training camp is going to be all about. Great, great. So, in spite of their optional nature, uh, the Eagles actually had some strong turnout from some of the players. Obviously, there were some seasoned veterans uh, who weren't there, um, but. Um, once, what does it say about the culture of the team that the Eagles uh, have built uh, that 
such there was such a strong work at or such a strong turnout uh, at the uh, OTAs this yeah, year? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a good question, and I think that the Nick Sirianni makes it very uh, engaging and fun to be here, and um, players want to be they want to get better, and I think it says this team is a, a team's got championship aspirations. I mean, team that went to the Super Bowl last year, a team that knows there's a lot of competition on the roster. And you don't want to fall behind. And I think everybody would understand that there is a lot of depth of talent on this football team. So, you know, it is voluntary, but like, you know, who wouldn't want to come in and work out, uh, get better as a football player, improve your craft, um, have a great lunch because our food at the Nova Care Complex is top notch in the city. And um, and then connect with your teammates. I mean, the, there genuinely is a real affection among the players on this team. And I think that that is something that's one of Nick's core values, right? Connection. And I think he's done a great job fostering that connection, um, emphasizing that connection. And this team truly, truly does live the connection. So it says a lot about the team. There's a team that knows it's a good football team, knows it has a chance to be a very special football team. And to be that, kind of team, you've got to be selfless. And I'd really find that this is a led by leader Jalen Hurts. This is a very selfless football team that if you that understand if you want to have great teams, if you want to have success, team success comes first and then the individual success comes after that. So that's kind of been the way it's been. It's been a really positive spring. Um and there have been a lot of players here and uh everybody I think it would tell you it's been it's been a a really good first step in the twenty twenty three season. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like hey, even as you were talking about that and you were talking about the core values and certainly Nick has preached the core uh, core values over the course of uh, his tenure here. Uh, certainly you brought up connection. The other thing that I was thinking about was fundamentals and the fact that both the both of those two, it seems like there's a lot of how that complements. And Nick Sirianni was also talking earlier today about uh, the accountability piece too. another part, another one of his core values. Um and football IQ and, and all and, uh, that competition yeah. and all of that. And so <laughs> he it's a he constantly repeats it and it becomes ingrained in your head, the one percent better mentality. That's kind of what this football team is all about. And I think yeah. we saw that last year. And we've seen it really in the two plus years that Nick has been here, that, that that's just what he teaches, that's what he believes in, and um that's what the Eagles live. Great. Great. In his press conference today, Nick Sirianni actually singled out Quez Watkins as somebody who has had a great offseason. Um, as you've seen him over the OTAs, um, what have you seen out of him that you would think would make Nick Sirianni point him out as somebody who, yeah, he has had a great offseason? Yeah, I think just constant attendance. His body looks great. He's moving really well. He's catching the ball well. He's really focused. He wants to get better. But, I, Joe, I, I want to caution and just say that, like, you know, I, I don't judge football players in practice right now. They're, they're, this is not football. This is OTAs. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think everybody knows that Quez wasn't particularly pleased with himself last year. Mm-hmm. Um, got a lot of criticism. I'm sure that stung him. And he's got bigger goals. He wants to get a, have a piece, bigger piece of the pie in this offense and it's tough to do that when you've got Devontae and AJ and Dallas and now you got DeAndre Swift running some routes and Kenny Gainwell's a good receiver and you know to to be 
to get some attention from Jalen Hurts, you've got to be outstanding. And I think that's that's the mindset that Quez Watkins has had in this offseason. And I think everybody recognizes that. He's been he's been really good. Um, that said, a lot of players have been really good. You have to be good in this offseason period uh, or you're not going to be around for the training camp time. That is true. That is true. Um, you uh, you wrote uh, last week, I believe, um, or in one of these couple weeks, uh, that the Eagles have built a roster that demands position by position by uh, position to position competition. Um, what exactly did you mean by that, and how do you uh, how do you? I know you don't judge players, uh, but how do you see that playing out? Um, over, so, over these so, so Joe, I, I will tell you that the 2022 Eagles were top to bottom, wall to wall, the most talented, question mark, but kind of a light question mark, Eagles roster team that I've ever seen. Um, and just, you know, the, the disappointment is that the Eagles didn't play their best game in the Super Bowl, but that was a darn good football team. And I wondered after that season, how would the Eagles reload the roster? Could they possibly get back to that level of talent. And I think that when I look at this roster and certain positions, the front seven, I think cornerback, I think running back, I think they've got a lot of good tight ends here. Um, offensive line, I really like the offensive line. And consider, yeah, let me talk about the defensive line. And I'm doing, I've written a couple things here to, that are going to be on the website and philadelphiaeagles.com in the weeks to come here. You lose a player like Javon Hargrave, okay, who I think signed the most lucrative contract in free agency, if not the even one of the top two or three. And yet you could potentially see the defensive tackle position being a better position than it was in 2022 with the addition of Javon, uh, with the addition of Jalen Carter, um, with the improvement of Milton Williams and, and, um, uh, Davis as well, um, Jordan Davis, uh, with the retention of Fletcher Cox, with Noah Ellis, who's a player nobody knows about, but the Eagles want to see him in camp. Um, Marlon Tui Pelotu, who just I think is, could, could really be a nice, you know, fourth kind of defensive tackle. To go into the training camp period feeling that, like looking at the depth chart and going, wow, that's a pretty darn, like that is a, could that possibly be a better? defensive tackle group than last year's group, even after losing Hargrave, who had 11 sacks last season. And that's what I mean when I say that it demands wall-to-wall competition because this roster is really, really strong. A player like Christian Ellis, who is one of my dark horse players at linebacker, um, has had a really nice spring. Had an interception last week, had an interception today. I know how he prepares, such a sense of purpose, such maturity. Um, you go out and you get it, DeAndre Swift and add him to the offense. You lose Isaac Sayamalo on offense, but then you draft Tyler Steen. You know, you bring back players like, you know, Cam Jurgens is going to get a long look there and um, possibly Josh Sills. And I mean, just on and on, there's just players that are there's competing all over the roster. There's certainly some questions about the roster. Who's going to play safety? You know, how deep are you really? But who's the punter going to be? 
but you have that every year. And I would think we would all agree that going into training camp last year, there were questions about the Eagles roster. I actually think there's kind of fewer questions about the roster, but that remains to be seen. When the pads go on, we'll see how it all looks. Absolutely. Um, certainly. I mean, there was, there were certainly people in you, you're just alluding to that. And I, I, the, the questions there that we were going into last year and, um, certainly one of the biggest ones that we weren't 100% sure at that time, uh, was a uh, quarterback. And we were really, really impressed in the 2022 season with just how much Jalen had progressed from the preceding year. And even from the brief glimpse that we got from him, uh, during the 2020 season, um, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said that Hertz is poised to make another jump. And actually on this podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, we had Meryl Reese on who said that Hertz hasn't reached his ceiling yet. Uh, do you see Hertz making another big jump this year? I'm not sure it would be a big jump because there's, I'm not sure there's a big jump in a player who I already think is a star quarterback. Uh, but there, look, there, can they do things yeah, there, there can be more efficiency. Um, you know, we last year at this time, we probably would have talked about Jalen's deep ball ability. Well, last year, and certainly it helps to have A.J. Brown out there, and Devontae Smith, his deep ball ability was among the best in the league. And I think that Jalen is so hard on himself and so willing to accept hard coaching and so, so critical of his own game that naturally there will be a jump. I just don't know if I would qualify it as a large jump because I already see him as an MVP candidate. I see him as one of a handful of great quarterbacks, great, great quarterbacks in the league. From a leadership standpoint, I don't think there's any doubt that he's already at the very top of the list with others, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure that Cincinnati feel that way about Joe Burrow, et cetera. Um, and obviously Mahomes and Kansas City and all that, but, but yeah, I think there's a, a natural jump. I mean, the kids are going to be 25 years old in, in August. I mean, that's nuts. So, yeah, um, yeah there'll be a jump. He'll it, understand more about how defenses are trying to play him. He'll have a feel for that. He'll recognize things. He'll fine-tune his, his, his film watching, his adjustments, his mental game. Mechanics are always going to be something you work on. So I do expect a jump. And... Um, I think that's just natural with a player who is, A, as talented as Jalen is, and B, who pushes himself as Jalen does. Great. Um, Cam Jurgens and Jason Kelsey were both at OTAs um, at various points. Uh, Jurgens is this, uh, the heir apparent, it seems, to the center position once Jason Kelsey retires. Um, but he's now getting the opportunity to learn how to play center with Kelsey while also playing alongside of Kelsey. Um, how do you think that's going to benefit Jurgens uh, going forward as he has an understanding of the center position, but also maybe another position on the offensive line? Yeah, I think, I think Cam Jurgens, whenever he plays and wherever he plays will be a top notch offensive lineman. He's explosive. He's got great leverage. Got great strength. He's smart as can be. Um, works his butt off. Like I just think he's a great football player in the making. So it certainly helps that you've got a future Pro Football Hall of Fame center 
both as a mentor and potentially as somebody who is lining up next to you in September. Can't do anything but help Cam Jurgens. He knows it. He's very appreciative of the fact that Jason is so generous with his time and his information, his mind. So it's it's a really, I'm sure for Cam, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, it's tough for him, requires a lot of patience. He wants to play, and last year was tough. Um, so having him with the opportunity to compete now is, is going to be really good for him. Yeah. Last year's rookie class didn't really see a ton of action. Certainly, I mean, we were talking a little bit, uh, you alluded to uh, last year, Cam Jurgens maybe being a little bit antsy to, to get on the field. Um, but last year's rookie class didn't see a ton of action last year because we saw a lot of really star players. Um, so now we've got Jordan Davis coming in to, uh, to take over. Uh, Nicobe Dean's going to get the green dot, uh, which is a real, real important role and real sign of, uh, of leadership. Um, where do you think, uh, how do you think that those guys are going to, uh, are going to adapt into these, uh, into these leadership roles? Yeah, I mean, you know, cause for, for a guy like Nicobe, it comes naturally. Um, he works like a veteran. He's, I mean, this is a guy who won a national championship at Georgia, gets drafted in the third round by the Eagles, last guy out of film room, goes to the Super Bowl. A week later, he's back in the classroom at the University of Georgia taking two crazy classes, like the, for his mechanical engineering class. Like, it's just... He's like a mathematical brain. He's just a naturally super hardworking, loves the challenge, loves the grind kind of natural for him. So he'll have a chance to play at one of the inside spots. Um, Jordan Davis has come back a different looking player, different mentality, mature, physically strong, very impressive. I've heard nothing but raves about him. And then Cam is the same way. Cam's, you know, got, got the, a great future in front of him as I talked about. Grant Calcaterra, um, I think, can be a really valuable player in this tight end equation. Runs great routes. He's gotten stronger, clearly. Uh, good football player. Reed Blankenship has a chance to be a starter at the safety position. Takes football extremely seriously. Loves the game. And showed last year that he can play at this level. So it's a promising group. And I kind of add that to the mix um, when I talk about the competition. And in a lot of ways, this is a... The Eagles have two rookie classes, um, so and two very talented rookie classes. So that's exciting when you have that next wave of really talented players coming in, because you always wonder what's going to happen when Fletcher's gone, and what happens when Brandon Graham's done, and what happens when Jason Kelsey's finished. Who are the next stars who are stepping up? And we know about Devontae, we know about Dickerson, we know about you know, Goddard and Hurts and all these other players. It's great to see players like. Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, et cetera, taking that next step as well. Great. And certainly, I mean, Nick Sirianni has uh, has stressed also that he he stressed this from the very beginning, from his opening press conference when he was hired, that he wants a smart football team. Um, and uh, certainly, while it's not necessarily like this kind of smarts that he's looking for, certainly guys like Jalen Hurts getting his degree uh, and other other players going through and getting uh, and uh, studying up uh, academically uh, is important. But it, uh, how do you think the how how do you think the smarts uh, 
How, how do you that think this team has gotten more think, a, better, a smarter see, football team? Well, a few turnovers. Um, the penalty numbers are generally big. I remember a couple of years ago they were high at the beginning when Nick started. That that number was one that came down. Not so coincidentally, the Eagles went on a late season run and made made the playoffs. Last year, I think we saw a very moderate number of penalties, very few turnovers, giveaways in games. Until the Washington game, they turned the ball over three times. You know, the Dallas game, they turned the ball over a few times. New Orleans, they have some mistakes. Um, I think that's how it manifests. That's how we see the results of being a smart football team. One that doesn't beat itself. One that is aware of situational football. One that excels in situational football. End of the first half, two-minute drills. Um, keeping teams in bounds when you have to. Just understanding the, the, the circumstances that are going on in the game of football. Those, to me, are all indications of a smart football team. And I think this is a very smart football team coached to be a smart football team. Well, uh, I think that's going to be a good spot where we're going to leave it. Uh, but Dave, thank you so, so much for joining us today. You can check out Dave Spadaro over at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. That's where you will find him and all of his uh, insights and all of his podcasts and his own interviews. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for joining into today's episode of Bird's Nest Podcast. You can support the Bird's Nest Podcast by liking and subscribing to Bird's Nest Media on YouTube, as well as sharing to your social media pages. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and at birdsnestmedia.com, where if you feel so inclined to support more endeavors like this one, you can find the link to our Patreon page. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's go, Eagles. Go, Birds!